Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. I just have to say, I say it once in a while, but you, the curtain is, is going to be removed a little bit today. You get to see the, the, me, I guess, publicly a lot. I try to be transparent and tell some stories, but now we're going to take you, I guess, behind the curtain. This was a sermon that took five years to produce. This is not a sermon that we wrote in one week, and we had a lot of nice, we had, we had some date nights this week. That was, yeah. That's my water. Don't touch it. All right, it's got to be, you got to see me. I can see you, baby. I can see you. I see you every day. Well, and I just want to say, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it, how supportive she is. And behind every preacher across America, across the world, if it's a male preacher, there is a woman that is at home and sacrificing and dealing with kids a lot of times and dealing with things when I have to be doing this kind of stuff. And, uh, and she's amazing and I absolutely love her. And we mentioned our, our, our talk today, I don't even want to call it a sermon, it's just kind of a conversation, is the life you never expected. And with that, take it away, baby. Oh, jeez. Well, we're going to do this together. This is going to be a... No, I'm leaving you all. No, you're not. Oh. That was not the deal. I didn't tell you that. It was a... That was not the deal. I to surprise you. The deal was you were doing this with me. So, yes, um, you know, so many of you know some of our story, a little bit of it, or bits and pieces. And as James alluded to, this really was a sermon that took us five, really not us, the Lord. It took him five years to get this on the inside of us. And James and I truly, as many of you can probably attest to, have felt like we have been living through a life that we never expected, that we never planned. Um, and all the expectations that we had first getting married, I'll give you a little snippet into that. That picture, I love that picture because it. It, if you can see it, it embodies both James and I so well. You I look mean, excited. You look like I'm happy. A little you look happy like you're ready to that dance. I, and... that, I, that I got him, you know? <laughs> Hashtag got him. That was, that was really... I knew I was in trouble. James was in trouble when I saw him when I was a 15-year-old, maybe even younger, um, girl in the church, because I was also raised in the church. Um, I came here when I was around eight. And when I saw him, I was done. And he was done because I was a praying girl. And so it really just kind Keep of... Talking. <laughs> it really um, fell into place. I, this is a whole other story that could take, many of you know, um, this could take an, a long, long time to go through. But ultimately, all I will say is that God is faithful and that in the natural, our relationship didn't make any sense um, to many people and to us, you know, first and foremost. But we had really um, loving parents, really parents that loved the Lord and trusted the Lord in James, in me. Um, and so we really, we got married in 2004. I was clearly very happy. James was mortified walking into the room. And so that... I always tell everyone, I'm, the, I'm a, really, honestly, I'm a raging introvert. Even though I'm out here and I speak... I'm really, I, I like to be alone, and this one loves to be the life of the party, and I love it. I love to sit back and just watch her do her thing. It is fun. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being honest. So, it's 
it's a good, it, it works out well for the, with the two of us. And so here we are, um, you know, young people, the world ahead of us, um, our plans of children and serving in the ministry, um, continuing our walks with the Lord, getting to know him better and just being happy. And that was what we were pretty sure was going to happen. And, you know, God had some other plans for us. And, um, Right after this, um, I would say that we took a little trip, wouldn't you say, James? We took a little vacation. Yes, yes, we did. And I found a poem that I think epitomizes our trip. I did not write this poem. Um, and as many of you know, we, we had an older son. Our son, Jameson, was born in 2009. And then we had another son, Nolan, that was born in 2014. And so Nolan has been classified with special needs. And I will go into a little bit more about that with you. But um, in looking at this poem, you, can, you can't really see here, but um, it says on the top, I am often asked to describe the experiences of raising a child with a disability, to try to help people who have not, I cannot see that. How can you read that? I don't I'm know, I'm just saying to, my, saying to myself, I, I have no idea. Can you see it? Okay. <clears throat> you can see it on the side screen. That's oh, why fabulous. I can't read it. Okay. Um, who have not shared that unique experience to understand it, to imagine how it would feel, it is like this. So just... Bear with me, the English teacher, for just a moment. Uh, When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. Anybody go to Italy ever? Good choice. I'm married to an Italian, so I have to give props to Italy. (laughs) And it's a beautiful place, of course. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo, David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager expectation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The flight attendant comes in and says, Welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All of my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy a new guidebook. You must learn a whole new language. And you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around. And you begin to notice that Holland has windmills, and Holland has tulips, and Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy, and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that is where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the pain of that will never, ever, ever go away. Because the loss of that dream is a very, very significant loss. But... If you spend your life mourning the fact that you never did get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. And this is a poem that is beautiful. I didn't write it. I know, wrecks me every time. Uh, So, you know, Nolan was born on January 24th, and, um, you know... Many people know it was not an easy delivery. It was not an easy experience. That's a whole other story. I mean, if you guys had all day, you could hear all of this. Um, however, it was not a difficult... It was not an easy delivery. Um, 
But I felt after that delivery and jump in any time here, hon. I'm not trying. You almost died, pretty much. Okay. At one point, is Michelle Knipe here? Michelle, was, Michelle's not, oh, she's, oh, she's not, maybe she's across the street, okay. but she can attest to the fact it was a pretty, it was scary. It was, it was definitely it was very scary. scary. Um, yeah. And I felt like, okay, this was it. This was the trauma of my life. Yeah. I lived through it. I, I endured it. And now I'm on the other side and life's going to be pretty good, smooth sailing. I knew I was going to get something. Like everyone has one bad thing probably, or maybe two bad things. And this was it. I have reached my quota of bad things. And now I'm just going to kind of sail through life. Hop in, buddy. Oh, the, the fans. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, sorry. Okay. So, yeah, I was wrong um, about that. And uh, Nolan started... You know, displaying a lot of dis- delays in in his um, development, and wasn't holding up his head appropriately, and wasn't didn't have high muscle tone. All things that are really high markers in in the medical field about there might be something going on here with this child. Uh, and one doctor, very unprofessionally, talked to me in the middle of a um, a waiting room with other parents just floating around, and said, "I think your son has a syndrome." And I was, he was only four weeks old, and I was by myself, and I said, what do you, what do you mean? In what? front of other, in front of in front a, of all uh, other parents, like, like, just kind of says it. I mean, it was, it was I wasn't with you. It was a very cold delivery, and I said, what, what syndrome? This is, I didn't know anything. I thought she could look at him and tell me what syndrome he had. I didn't know. And she said, I don't know. There's thousands of syndromes, but I think he has one. And it was just crushing. It was truly, truly um, crushing and and horrible so that was really four and a half years of wondering and guessing and really being afraid and not knowing my my ultimate fear when people would ask me what is my ultimate fear I feared having a doctor sit across from me and tell me that um, his life expectancy wasn't going to be what they had what you would think from a a typically developing person and so that was at the root of of all of my fears and during this time I I was just unsure of I kept saying to myself I don't know if any of you have experienced this I can imagine that you must have but how did this happen to me like what this no this happens to other people this does not my husband and I serve in a church he's a pastor for crying out loud this doesn't happen to people like us we had a difficult courtship then i had a difficult delivery no 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 i'm not struck by lightning three times (laughs) and you know i don't look at it that way anymore of course i don't look at it as being struck by lightning at all but it was a, a challenging time for my faith and it was a really difficult time of me trying to frame my picture of god into something that was new to me. I kind of looked at him and said, and you, you would watch me through this, um, and with the way our dynamic was throughout this, you'll, you'll kind of I'm gonna get, to get into. Yeah, sure. um, however, I think you saw a lot of me. I was angry, guys. I was really angry. And I, and I said, Lord, I, I, I don't get this, and I don't get you, because I trusted you. I did everything. I was pretty psychotic before I got pregnant <laughs> in, in general, but in, in getting, preparing for pregnancy, oh, I saw natural doctors and I got amalgams removed from my mouth and I went and got uh, vitamins and I took supplements and I was like, okay, in my natural, yeah, I am going yeah. to make, this child is going to be okay. And God had other plans, clearly. 
um, better plans, really, now. Um, but it was a time of, I think, anger that you saw a lot mm-hmm. in me and um, really just being upset at the Lord. Do you want to go ahead? No, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And I, and I had my moments, too. It wasn't that, you, you know, I'm the pastor and, wow, I'm above all that. You know, you can under th- understand things theologically, but to experientially understand and live them out is a whole different story. And, uh, and then getting to uh, the next part. Go ahead. So we did finally, after years, literally years, of, of wondering, not knowing, is he autistic? Is he, what is it? What, what, are we, what are we dealing with here? And we, we didn't know until we got this diagnosis of, of a syndrome um, called Coffin-Cirrus syndrome. It is extremely rare, extremely rare. So only 300 cases have been documented in the whole world. And Nolan has one particular gene mutation, SMARC-B1, that is so even more so rare that there are only 15 documented cases of children like Nolan. And I just love talking about the term special needs and, and the connotation that it has. However, I look at it and say, Oh no, this kid is special. Like he truly is special. He's one of fifteen. All well, our kids are special. I know that your kids are special. I'm not saying they're not special. But I look at this child and say the the rarity of of this this syndrome it blows my mind. And so we were given the opportunity to get this diagnosis and connect with other people, forming a community of other parents that that have this diagnosis. And I started to meet other parents with kids who have the SMARC-B1 gene. And I noticed um, that a lot of them were much more affected negatively or impaired than Nolan was. Um, Pretty much every other child with SMARC-B1 that I have encountered or met is tube-fed. A lot of them are unable to walk. Um, Many of them are trached. And so when I see these other children and meet them, my heart just, I mean, you just immediately love these kids. And if you've encountered Nolan or talked to him at all, you know what I mean? It's just an immediate love and a connection and a spark with these kids. Um, But I just see how the Lord has carried Nolan because the amount of prayer that has been over this child since I was pregnant, and, I, and that is the Lord, and that is the God's honest truth, right? The prayer team and our families, the prayer that has gone on over this child before anyone knew anything, before anyone knew that I was going to have a difficult delivery, before anyone knew that this child had a diagnosis, there was so much prayer behind him, and I really believe that that is the reason why we see a happy running around child who's capable of doing the things that he's capable of doing. And, and we have a lot of faith to believe that there's going to be even more progress in Nolan's Amen. life. Hey, if I could ask you, just one, just wondering, where, where did you go for that conference? The, uh, the, oh, the, I, it was, sure. I didn't want to go. I know you didn't want to go. They dragged Dragging, me screaming. to Disneyland. <laughs> So it was awful. You got a picture of that? I maybe? have a picture of it. You do? Um, I do. Of course I do. Uh, if you look on the top left corner, so that is a whole. That is I was word. not at Disneyland. I just had to throw that in. Oh, okay. But you're going next week. I'm just throwing that. No, in we're there. going to Disney World next week. It doesn't matter. Two days out of the eight. I'm only there for two. Well, it doesn't matter. It's Disney. So. Um, <laughs> If you look in the top left corner, you can see all these people that were there together. And that was a, 
a breakthrough for me that I, I can't even describe. Maybe you can, as an exterior out per, outside person looking in, um, as a mother, the breakthrough that I had yeah. going there. And I'll just never forget being outside. Um, we were at a pool, and I just gotten there. My mother came with me. God bless her. She was so nice to come with me. And, and we're sitting in the pool, and it's just all me and other parents of children with cough and serious and the kids. And all I remember seeing was parents happy and hugging these children and throwing them in the air and laughing and talking. And, they, and all I felt like the Lord was like, I said to myself, like, oh my gosh, these people have what my child has and they're happy. It's, it's possible to have this. This is not the worst thing that could ever happen to a person. These other people are happy. I have the capability of also being happy in my life. And that was just hugely groundbreaking. So you can see um, two other children. That's Ruthie on the right and Eli. Um, and then I just, I, I've mentioned it, but the prayer team here and, and the support, the importance of community, I can't even really put into words the importance of being held up in the spirit by our prayer team, by you people. Um, I have, through all this, he's preaching and I'm singing and working and trying to live our lives. And I just have one vivid memory of having to sing one day, one particularly hard day where we were waiting for test results. That was the worst part was we would get a test done and then we'd have to wait four months. Um, And now you have to try, go ahead, live your life, go live your life and get the the balance of your child weighs in this test, but you have four months, go hang out and have fun. And it's like, how am I going to go about my normal life and do this? Um, But I just remember having to sing because you didn't, I didn't stop and sit in my room. I was tempted to, to just sit in my room and be like, okay, four months when it's done, come get me, you know? Um, But I had to go through life. So I just remember singing and being like, I I can't do this. I don't know. And many of you saw probably me singing through a lot of pain. Um, But I just remember vividly the prayer team. I guess it was like a packed house, much like it is today. And the prayer team was up in this room here. And I'll never forget it. And I just remember seeing their faces with their hands out. And it's a picture I'll take with me forever. Praying over me. And and then watching the prayer team behind them pacing and praying for me to get through the song because they knew it was a difficult um, time for me and a difficult weekend with Nolan. And so just realizing that that's a picture of what goes on in the spirit, that we're down here and we're struggling and we're difficult times, but that there's people and there's, you know, the war that's going on in the heavenlies and that there's people standing for you. And, right. and that just has made such a world of difference. You know, I'd say in, in listening to Megan's side of the story, I think for me to be totally honest with you, uh, I kind of ran, you know, for the last, for the first few years when Nolan was born, I ran to busyness. I ran to work. So I would always say to her, and she, you know, I, I made it well known, right? Abundantly clear. I have church responsibilities. I have school responsibilities. I live in two different worlds aside from, you know, personal family stuff and, you know, trying to keep family first. But to a large extent, I was emotionally absent from my wife. I don't know if any of you can relate to that, but I was, I was definitely emotionally absent. And there's a, you know, to cut to the, giving you the Reader's Digest, there was a really poignant moment a few years ago. I'll never forget it. We were out to dinner. And, uh, I'm the, you know, as you can see, a lot of times, I'm the one that usually gets emotional. If we watch a movie, Marley and Me, like a movie like that, I cry. She doesn't cry, right? Wonder, I cry before she will, right? And we're just kind of used to that, right? You, it's, no, it oh, doesn't mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, it, yeah. I watch anything and I just, I cry. So, um, why was I saying that? Oh, 
Yeah, so at dinner, though, I knew. We were out to dinner, and uh, she started to get emotional, and she was like, I can't do this anymore. And I knew. I knew things had to change. And you know, like she said, I'd be up here and I'd be preaching. And this is what a lot of times I feel like pastors don't do. They don't let you behind the curtain to really see what goes on, to really see what's happening, and that we're human just like you are. We're going through trials and tribulations just like you are. I'm no different than any of you. And she was right. She was 100% right. And from that moment, something changed. That moment, I saw the seriousness of the... uh, uh, of the hour, and uh, I, 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 knew, I knew things were, it was dire that I'd make some changes. And uh, we actually uh, started to, we went to see someone. And I've mentioned that before from the pulpit. And that also was one of the most beneficial, uh, advantageous things that we could do as a couple, even individually, to go see someone, to talk about the pain, to go inside to our emotions, I know I'm a different man. I know you're a different woman. I know our marriage. You know what? It's interesting. Can I preach a little bit? Do you mind if I just kind of talk? And I have notes, but I would just like to really just kind of share from my heart. I was thinking about Oswald Chambers, and he said, uh, good is the enemy you know, of great, uh, of, the, of the best things. And I would say that I looked at our marriage and said, we have a really good marriage. But it wasn't a great marriage. It was good, but I was settling and I got complacent. And my wife, and this is what's interesting, man, if I could talk to you now, like to turn this into a, like, a, like a marriage seminar. If I, understanding now, she wasn't looking for me to fix her problem. She was looking for me to enter into the problem. She was looking for me to say, how are you doing? Is it pretty dark in there? Well, how are you feeling? What's really going on inside of you? She wasn't looking for me to fix it. And so many times as men, we want to fix the problems. And she was just, she was looking for her husband to enter into the pain, to enter into the disappointment. Because you know what too? I, I, everyone, you, we all have our own Hollands. You're going to go to Holland some, at some point too. You think you're going to go to Italy and you're going to wind up in Holland if you haven't been in Holland yet. And I, there are many trips we make to Holland, right? In a lifetime. So I was emotionally absent, and she was looking for me to get in the pain with her. And I can't tell you the community, uh, uh, the church here, and having someone actually talk about I hate that there's a stigma. I feel like in the church, when we talk about mental health issues, I think the best thing we can do as people is talk to someone that is trained. And I'll tell you what, this person we go to has had a profound impact on our lives. And she's helped me to really get it, for just speaking personally, to get in touch with my emotions, to be more present for my wife. And uh, I'm eternally grateful. And I I never thought, like, I, I, I love her and I know her. We've been married, what, almost 15 years now? I... And I'm not just saying this because I'm in church. I absolutely love and adore the woman that is on my left. And uh, I'm, I'm so thankful to be with you. You know, I just, I just, I hate our culture too. We always, you know, there's that perfect soulmate that's out there that you're compatible with. Christian Mingle and, you know, eHarmony. It's all garbage. It's all, it's crap. If I could say it clearly and plainly, it is. It's, it's, it's nonsense. And you learn, right? You learn how to become the person. You don't marry the right person. We talked about that. You become the right person in the relationship. And we're doing the, we've been doing the hard work and our marriage. And we're not done. We're always under construction. There's a lot of things that Megan needs to work on. You know, so. 
anyway, we can get into Philippians. So just a few things that... <laughs> just so I don't Thanks, cry James. the whole time. I had to... Thanks, James. Uh, so just a few things that I, I've kind of learned. I, listen, I, I just want to share my heart with you. I'm not here to, to teach at you or, or to do anything. James and I are both yeah. just really appreciative that you're here and so engaging in, in with our, our story, really, because we are just sharing our heart. And these are just things that the Lord has taught us kind of through the times that we had. And I can't stop, but pause when I, this, this scripture comes back to me a lot, Philippians 4, uh, 10 through 13. And you've heard this a million times, but it's just, you know, when you're living it and it becomes new to you and you see it with new eyes. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you, at last you renewed your concern for me. This is Paul speaking. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned, and I underline that word learned, obviously, to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen, right? And... You can clap. It's, it's, I love that. <laughs> never gets old. You never gets old. And, and a lot of times people, I think, uh, you know, speaking for myself, we just look at that 13. I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can, you know, do whatever it takes. It's and like I the can... Christian. I, I, I look at it. It's like the, the Christian weight room like verse. It's like plastered on every squat rack, right? In every every like high sc- Christian high school across the country, I can do all things through it's Christ. It's almost become cliche, you know, a little right? yeah, cliche absolutely. in terms. So taken out of context, out of but context. I'm not going to get into that right now. But if you look at it in context a little bit, yeah. uh, you just see that it's before that what Paul says. Hmm. It doesn't mean that I can do all things that gives me strength, that this, everything's going to be great. I've yeah. learned to be happy and to be content whatever circumstances I have. And we have had a breakthrough in our lives, in our marriage, in our emotion, in our perspective, my word for the year, P.S. Um, and that came from learning and going to school for five years every day when I was tired and didn't want to get up and go to class. I had to get up and go to class because I had to care for this child or take him to doctor's visits. And I had to learn to be content in this situation. Honestly, not much has changed in, in Nolan. Um, he's so great. I can't wait. He's just the best. But not too much happened in changing in our external circumstances. The change was internal. And we learned. We truly learned, I think, to be content. Absolutely. Even You know, it's hard. It's always going to be painful. There's always going to be those moments that it was a death. In, in many ways, but we've learned to be content, I would say, and that scripture was huge for well, me. Well, you know, and I think our expectations, too, I mean, had a, uh, yeah, unrealistic expectations really would affect our contentment. How many of you know I'm ta- what I'm talking about when I say that? Um, can I play a little game with you here for a second? Can we imagine something? I want, to, I want you to imagine that this half of the room, you're going to go um, on a little trip. You're going to be staying at the Ritz-Carlton. Does that sound nice? You leave here, I have a bus outside, you're going to be going to the Ritz-Carlton. You don't look too excited. Just see, Ritz-Carlton is probably one of the nice, yeah, yeah, in the city there's a Ritz-Carlton. Okay, uh, you over here, these, these two groups over here, you're going to be going to the Riverhead Penitentiary. Okay, now, 
Y'all over here, right, you're going to the Ritz-Carlton, you're aware that you're going to be getting some sumptuous food, uh, it's going to be beautiful, all the amenities, I mean the bathrobes, can't you just feel the bathrobe right now, right, feels nice and plush and oh, it's so nice. Now for you over here, going to the Riverhead Penitentiary, right, you're thinking of it evokes an image of every, you know, jail movie that you've ever seen, Shawshank Redemption, dirty mattresses, bland food, it smells, it stinks, now let's change it up, let me tell you something else. You're not going to the Ritz-Carlton. You're not going to the Riverhead Penitentiary. All right? We're all going to the Holiday Inn in Hopak. <laughs> Over here, what do you, what do you, are you happy that you're going to the Holiday Inn? You were going to go to the Ritz-Carlton. Are you happy? You're not happy because you know the Holiday Inn is not going to have the same amenities. It is not in the same category as a Ritz-Carlton. And for you over here, you are excited and overjoyed because you are not going to Riverhead and you're going to appreciate everything. Wow, this is nice. I don't care if this remote control has been touched by 10 million people before I got in here. I don't mind any of that. This is fine. This is okay, right? Unrealistic expectations. They look at it and go, wow. And that brings me to the great C.S. Lewis. This is what Lewis said. He said, if you think of this world as a place intended simply for our happiness, you find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place of training and correction, and it's not so bad. And listen, this life that we live, I'm sorry, I'm standing up. I'll sit back down. But this life that we live, this life is training. This is an education. Paul was saying that. Can I tell you and give you a little context even about that passage? That passage would have been something that everyone would have known in that culture. It was a passage used for new believers in like pagan cults. So he's trying to tell them it's going to take discipline. It's going to take work. Yes, cerebrally, you know, understanding it in your mind is one thing, but it has to be worked out in your life. You have to practice. He's saying, I have learned the secret. I have learned how to do this. It wasn't innate. It wasn't just in me. I learned how to do this. Just like I want to be a basketball player. I'm going to go take jump shots. I want to sit over here and be like Tommy and play on the keyboard. It takes practice, practice, and practice. It's hard work, but Paul says it can be done. Right. I think it was important to note that we, we were disappointed. Oh. You know, it, it was, you said unrealistic expectations, and I think, yeah. I don't know, I, I just felt like this is what my ex, that picture you saw of us on our wedding day, I was not expecting this. This was not going to happen to me. I was having two healthy children, or three, or whatever it was, and that was what I was, my expectations. Two is max, right, we're done. So... Um, you know, I just felt also through this is it's okay to be disappointed. Let's not ignore the emotion of going through the pain or, or mourning the death of your expectations. As Christians, I don't want, you know, I think sometimes we get that message, just pray about it, suck it up, go on, you're fine. That's good, that's good. You know, and it's that. like, that's not what helps. Yep. That's not going to help me. Just be tough, tough it out. That's not the Jesus I know. He doesn't tell, he didn't walk down the streets and pick up grass and talk to people and then tell them to tough it out. You know, he listened and he talked and he was in it with their pain. When Lazarus died, he was crying with them. You know, he felt too. So to feel that pain and to feel the reality, but he wants to bring him into the pain with him and into the reality. And I think that, you know, just kind of jumping on what you said about going to see a counselor, 
that was a very safe place for us to go and other people. Obviously, we have the blessing of having our parents and our family that we do. And we're so beyond blessed, the support system that we have. It's just incredible. But having that safe place and having people to see, to not deny that disappointment that you had and, and to really believe that God's going to use this for good and yeah, not just good. say Romans eight. Okay. God uses all the, again, avoiding the cliche that comes along with some of these scriptures. Cause we say them over and over again, but truly getting it on the inside to know that it is go- what looks bad. What I thought was going to be the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. I truly believe this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me has turned out to be the best. Yeah, I, would, I like what you said, too, about you know, talking about this downplaying disappointment. And I would say it's not the experience of, dif- of disappointment, I think, that differentiates, us, differentiates all of us because we all experience that. It's how we define our disappointment. You get that? We're all going to experience it. It's the definition that we give to the disappointment. Psychologists call it cognitive framing. It's our perspective. It's how we frame what we're looking at. And two people can be going through the same exact situation, but see it totally differently. And it's all up to us on how we see things. And uh, for us, I mean, you have to go into the pain. And I think a lot of times, as you alluded to, uh, a lot of places when it comes, you know, in Christianity, they just, like you said, get over it. You know, you're a Christian. You just need to have more faith. Come on. If it, what's wrong with you? Why don't you believe? You just got to move past this. And that's not really, a, that's not a healthy view of God. And that's not a healthy view of the gospel. That's not who God is. I'm sorry. So we're supposed to go into that and go into our pain. That's why, you know, Doctors Cloud and Townsend, that's why they've been, uh, you know, they, all over the country. You know, the world, really, for that matter. Because their material makes you go inside and deal with disappointment and deal with pain and deal with shattered dreams. When life throws you a curveball and you wind up in Holland and you thought you were going to Italy, how are you going to handle it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what are you waiting for to change before you're happy with your Holland, almost? You know, I love what, I love what uh, you know, Tom's here. Hey, t- Tom, you don't mind if I throw that out there, do you? We talk... Uh, Tom and, and Kathy are here. If you don't know the Ryans, they're, they're wonderful people. And uh, Tom and I have gotten to share some time together, and I, I really appreciate him. And uh, he was talking about some of the challenges uh, that they had, you know, growing up with Tommy. And to see Tom, where is Tommy? Tommy, man, it does something for us every week to see him up here on the keyboard. Just love him. But Tom said to me, and, and quoting him, quoting Tom Ryan, Tom, I don't know how many other times you're going to be quoted in church, said his lack of vision helped us to see better. And he said that to me last week, and that really hit me. And, and I look at Nolan, and I look at him, and he's given me new eyes to see that I'm a better dad. I think I'm a better preacher. I think I'm a better teacher at school. I'm just a better friend. I understand people more. I, I don't know. It's changed my world. And something that I thought was so bad, the worst possible thing that can happen to me. And let me tell you, I'm not going to downplay this. When we walked into the geneticist's office, she was in a better place than I was. She was I guess she was more ready to hear that. She literally had to hold her husband up. When I heard the news, I was crushed. My dreams of what it was supposed to be like. Am I ever going to get a baseball and throw it in a yard with my son? Am I ever going to jump in the pool and play together? Am I ever going to teach him to ride his bike? Are we ever going to read together? Is he ever going to date? Is he ever going to get married? I didn't know. Shattered dreams. The life he never expected. What do you do when you're encountered with the life you never expected. 
It's tough. And you could hit the last point. I think uh, one, one of the things that um, we we had to do mm-hmm. was to be grateful for what we had and and change that cognitive framing of, of the way we looked at it. Yeah. And uh, James, you came across this, right? This was you down this one? The yeah. greatest enemy to gratitude is a sense of entitlement. That book. We, we took the title of the book oh, from, yeah. uh, I, I mean, oh. We stole it from a book called... It was wonderful. The Life You Never Expected. Um, the moment you think that you deserve more, then you can wave goodbye to thankfulness. However, circumstances of sickness, death, or disappointment, us, can lend themselves to a sense of entitlement like no other. And so cultivating gratitude and contentment in all circumstances, back to Philippians, can be a stiff challenge in a storm of suffering. And it... It truly was, I think, a difficult challenge, but I believe that we're grateful now. And, and looking at that word entitlement, I realize I come to terms with my own flesh that I thought I was entitled to these two healthy children. I was owed That's it. Good. Yeah. We served the Lord. My yeah. husband's a pastor. You know how many hours we've spent serving you, God, and then you give us this? That's no. These That's things not don't how happen to people works. that faithfully serve him. Gosh, what did right? I do wrong? To... Did I do something wrong? I must have yeah. sinned. There was, I guess that's it. Something I did, I messed something up along the way for this to happen, and this is not what I deserve. Don't I... we hear that? Isn't that something of you that is pervasive in the Christian church, that what did you do wrong for this to, yeah. for this to happen in your life? One of the disciples, you know, Rabbi, what, did, did this man sin? His parents sin with the blind man? I mean, it it's still exists today, and, you know, I think... We live in a world, we, we, I'm realizing happiness isn't so much about accumulation as it is about appreciation. And our society does not market appreciation. Do you hear me? They, we don't, right? They never market appreciation. It's accumulation. Just get one more thing. Go buy things. Go buy this. Go buy that. Go buy this. This will make you happy. And How many of you are, are, have watched Marie Kondo? Anybody Marie Kondoing their home? Anybody know who I'm talking about? She's on Netflix. Um, this adorable little Japanese My woman. man over there. I have one man he, in the house well, that raised okay. his hand. Not all women. Because you okay. were looking for the women in this place. I was not. I am an equal Marie Kondo appreciative <laughs> person. So Marie Kondo is her whole premise, really. And she's not well spoken in English, but she's really pervaded the whole... She's on Netflix. She has her own show. So I guess what? She's made it. So she... <laughs> has this perspective of, of getting rid of the things that don't bring you joy, right? Or, or things that are excessive or unnecessary. And so I feel like within us, those of us that are responding to that are really touching something that is God-given, that it's getting rid of those things that are excess and appreciating those things that, that we have, right? Um, and one thing that I changed, hopefully, I, I, I try to do this, guys, obviously, I, I don't... I'm not saying I've arrived in any way, shape, or form, but I try to approach the day with an I get to instead of like an I have to. So I get to go to work. Like mm-hmm. I have a job and I, and, and I have people that I, I get to work with people. I get to work it out with my children and feed them. And instead of dressing our opportunities as stress, they're in fact really blessings. That's good. So... It's, Isn't that a great quote? It's a great quote. It's just once again, bless Y'all you. You should be snapping your phones at that like <laughs> Barbara is right there. It's just once again um, framing our cognition and, and just saying, Lord, I'm not going to be swayed by the things of this world. I'm not going to be just dragged along by the current. 
I'm going to get in my boat and I'm going to push and I'm going to have an attitude of gratitude and it's going to become internal because I know that Holland is for all of us. I know that I'm not exempt from getting Holland or going through my Holland, but I get to have a child with special needs. And that's how I feel. I truly feel like sometimes I can't believe I actually yeah. got this. I, I say it now differently. I can't believe this happened to me. Um, I, this is a blessing. I, I, and that I mean from the bottom of my heart because it was not that way. It was, I can't believe this happened to me. And now it's like, I can't believe I get this bonus child. He's awesome. Yeah. He is. Hey, you have like five to ten more minutes. You okay? You all right with that? Five to ten more minutes? You all right? We're not putting you to sleep. George, you good? Good to see you, my man. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, too. And we need to be, like, when I look at this, every single day we need to get up and be thanking God for things in our lives. The fact that we can move our limbs. I mean, I try to remind myself all the time. I, I said it recently in a, in, a, in a sermon about having a gratitude journal. But we need to be thanking God, the, the, the things that we just take for granted. Even thanking God for things like our dysfunctional families. Right? The people in your family, you're dysfunctional too. Don't just think about other people in your family. We're all dysfunctional. Thanking God for everything, even the little things. Thanking God that we're walking in here, that we're able to do so, that we're able to sing songs, we're able to leave this place and get in cars. And you know what? This morning, I don't know if you saw, there was a bad accident right up the road here, but it's been in my spirit the whole morning that these people, three people died. And they, last night, as of 10 o'clock, we were out last night, those people did, had no clue that they would not be here this morning. They didn't know. They had no idea. We live in a world where we think everything is just guaranteed. Oh, that's just, that's just kind of guaranteed to us. And a lot of times we don't thank God for things. But you know what I'm thankful for? That God is gracious. Aren't you thankful that God is gracious? Aren't you thankful that God is not like the utility company PSE&G? You know why? Because you know what? Every single month they want us to show our thankfulness for them putting power on in our homes. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Please let us know how thankful you are for our faithfulness that there is power in your house. If you do not thank PSE&G every single month for allowing power to be on in your home, they're going to send you a letter in the mail. And that letter is going to say something at the top along these lines, past due. You owe something to us or we're going to turn the power off. I bring that up this morning because I feel like there are people in this room today that God says your worship is past due. There are things that I've done, things that you prayed about, things that blessings that you're walking in right now that you prayed about and you circled, but you need to thank me. And if there's no power in your life, then I would say your praise is past due. You want more power in your life? Then you better praise him. Don't make me get up and start preaching. We need to. And you know what? But that's only, can I get into, that's only the first step to thank God for things. I think we stop there. Can we, can we go to the next level? I'm going to work more on this in a sermon in the future, but I want to graduate from elementary school and sitting at the kiddie table, hanging out with the Kidmo kids, right, at the little table. It's one thing to thank God for things, but it's another thing to thank God even when all hell is breaking loose in your life, even when you don't know and you don't understand. That's the kind of faith that God says, I want to build in my people, and I want my people to have a mature, a deeper faith. Right? Give me this thing. 
And this is what, this is, this is where, look what David says in Psalm 23. I have a new appreciation for this psalm. So we all, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And look, listen to this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm, I'm learning I'm learning through this kind of situation. I need to move beyond and graduate from a thank God for, God, thank you for these things to God, even though these things are happening in my life, even though there is deficit, even though there is fear, even though I may be racked with anxiety, even though I don't know where things are, you know, financially, I don't know how things are going to happen. I don't know what's going on with my kids. I don't know what's going on with my health. I look at this famous Psalm and I see David say, even though I walk through the valley. And then he goes on, look, he says, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David is sitting, wait, listen, David is sitting at a table, but he's not alone. He's got his enemies all around him. Did you ever look at this like that? I'm starting to see it with new eyes. That insecurity is at the table and fear is at the table and all these things that the enemy is sending to try to take us out. God says, don't you worry because my rod and my staff, they're going to comfort you. They're going to take care of you and they're not going to take you out. And listen, I'm going to use your enemies and your enemies are going to serve you your entree. Your enemies are going to feed you. Man, that's good. I even like that. It's true. God's going to use all of this stuff. He's using this situation and he's using your Holland. He's using your experiences. And he's saying, don't worry, I got you covered. I'm right here with you. Even though you're surrounded by your enemies, don't worry because there are more with you than are with them. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I got to stop, babe. I just get, I just, you know, sometimes I, I enjoy this. Sometimes. But, and listen, one more thing. Can I say one more thing? We got to stop thanking God just for, hey, you know, God, thanks for the food. Thanks for my finances. I want to move and sit down at this table and start thanking God for things that I don't see in my life. God, even when I don't see those things, I'm still going to thank you and I'm still going to be grateful because I still know that you're on the throne and you're working and you're maneuvering. And when I look at the tapestry and I look at the canvas and maybe not here, but on the other side, then I'll have eyes to understand what you were doing because all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean the bad things that we experience in this world, that they're actually good. No, they're in fact bad here and you feel the pain, you feel the disappointment. But God says in the totality of life, don't you worry because I'm going to work all that out, all those situations out for your good. Bring us home strong, babe. All right, I'll try to talk after that. Uh, you know, just again, bringing back to this end of the poem, if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never feel free to enjoy the special, lovely things about Holland. And what are we looking for in our lives to change or to appreciate 
Um, oh, you didn't put that picture in there. Okay. Um, I must have been the old one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, about Holland. And you can see Nolan today when he's running around. He has this adorable shirt. We put it in there, but it's not up there. Um, and did somebody it's, get him for us? Oh, yeah. Someone want to grab him? Danielle, you want to grab Nolan? Um, and he has a... You got to show the shirt. I won't, I won't tell everyone the shirt, but while she's grabbing him, uh, we feel that, you know, the Lord always works through, like you're saying, pain and, and using all things for good. So we are reaching out and, and tr- starting something in our church, which we're really excited about, a, a special needs ministry. We call it all inclusive. And we really think it could be something that is there's a deficit in, in churches for parents and people with kids with special needs. They can't, some parents can't come to a church. They almost can't even leave their homes with their children. So to provide a place or a safe place and atmosphere for, for kids with special needs and to be an inclusive um, environment. So we're going to do uh, just... This is the last piece. Uh, April 25th, a community group for parents and caregivers. We're going to have it here just as a a place for support. So if you know of anybody, we're going to spread the word. Um, We hope to try to eventually have a one-to-one buddy system here for those. um, And our son, Nolan, does get a one-to-one buddy. It happens to be his cousin, Hannah, who's amazing. But... um, (laughs) Also providing some respite for caregivers because the, the, the amount of time it takes and the pain and the, the, the energy that it takes to care for these children and to just have an inclusive atmosphere. Come on up, buddy. You come see Dada. <laughs> and to have an inclusive atmosphere in our come, church for all of those with special needs. Huh? I think he wants mommy. I don't know. No, he wants daddy. But if you see his shirt. See his shirt. It says Holland Tour Guide <laughs> on his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you do clap. Hey, you know, and and on my end, as a as a pastor, this is an evangelistic tool. Do you realize how many families will never step foot in a church, maybe for a conventional service like this, but they will come to an event like this? And I'm trusting when they walk in here, they feel the power and the presence of God, not the God that maybe they learned about, but the real God that sits on the throne. And they learn about the real Jesus. And Jesus will meet them in the midst of their pain. And they may feel like they're in Holland, but God says, I'm going to do something in their lives. And I'm praying for that. And listen, I'm telling you, I have the faith now like I've never had before. This place is going to blow up. This place is going to blow up. Fun. I don't know what the ride's going to be like. It means more work. But hey, this is exciting. What do you want to say? Oh my gosh. He's such a joy. Um, I, I posted this thing onto Facebook, and I, I, James didn't know about it, but I, I said my favorite thing about Nolan and is when you take a picture of him and not him in the picture. My favorite thing is to look at the other person in the picture. And it is unbelievable. Every single person, he's like the equalizer. He's the leveler of, of joy. He brings joy to anyone in any situation no matter where you are in your day and you want to fight people you see him and he's just that's it's just joy. always happy always happy so um he really does bring joy that i don't know he's what our, else our, to compare he's our teacher he's our teacher i've learned more about god from him than i think anybody else in my world he's always happy
if you, it, maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, you know, I, I, I can't really totally relate to some of the stuff that was talked about today. Hold on to some of these words and these stories because you may be in a situation where you're going to need them down the road, right? And I would pray right now that there are other people in here. I would pray for you right now, if you don't mind, if I could pray as we leave this place. Lord, I just pray for every person in here, Lord. Lord, they had great expectations about what they thought they were going to get from you. But Lord, you said you were going to take them through some valleys because there were things that you wanted to do in them and through them, Lord. Father, help us to see, all of us, that you're not a cosmic vending machine. You're not a genie in a bottle. You're so much bigger than that. You're not the means to an end. You are the end in and of itself. Father, I thank you that when we try to, contentment is paradoxical, friends. When we try for contentment and we try to get it, we're not going to get it. We only get contentment when we realize that we have to chase something that is much bigger than that. Something that is bigger. And what is bigger than contentment is putting our faith and trusting in Jesus Christ. Because when we do that, that is when contentment can come into our lives. But otherwise, it's going to be elusive. And we're never going to get it. And I pray as you leave here today, if that's you, and you feel like you're in Holland, and you feel like this is not where I was going, this is not the ticket that I bought, I would ask that you would trust him in the midst of difficult circumstances. Go inside the disappointment. Don't downplay it. Understand the Apostle Paul is in a prison cell when he's writing those words in a dungy, grimy, smelly prison cell. But I thank you, Lord, that the Apostle Paul was freer than anybody that was alive on that planet at that point. It didn't matter if he was killed. It didn't matter if he was in prison. He was already free. Father, help us to see that we can be free regardless of what the situation is, regardless of what our bank account says, regardless of where we live, what our house looks like, regardless of what our job is, regardless of what we see with our naked eyes. Father, help us to see things from your eternal perspective, Father. Help us to see here, Lord, and help us to endure when life throws us a curveball and we are looking at things that we had never, ever expected to encounter. Oh, Holy Spirit, do something. Do something inside this church. Make us a resilient church, Lord. In this last hour, make us a resilient people. Father, we don't want to be people that are offended at you because you didn't give us what we wanted. Can I just say that? There are so many Christians that are offended at God because he didn't come through the way they wanted him to come through. He's not the cosmic vending machine. You don't just say a prayer and after the prayer is over, where is it? God, give it to me. Where is it? It's not Christianity. So I pray for you as you leave this place. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.